0: Welcome to Airtalk's TV Talk from LA's 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Every Thursday, I'm joined on Airtalk by professional TV critics to review and discuss the newest cable TV, broadcast, and streaming series. With so much content available, we know it's hard to pick something to watch, and we're here to help. All right, let's meet this week's critics. Ingu Kang of The New Yorker and Christina Escobar, co-founder and critic of latinamedia.co to talk about a lot of stuff going on with new and returning series. But one of the things uh, that's gotten a lot of attention here in Los Angeles because the show is set in L.A. is the cancellation of the Hulu streaming series This Fool. It had 20 episode run uh, comedy series set on the east side of Los Angeles. Gustavo Are. L.A. Times columnist, wrote a really uh, terrific piece about uh, series uh, that are set in in Los Angeles with Latino casts being canceled after relatively short runs. And, And one of the points that Gustavo makes is that we really need to support those series because they get canceled because of you know, too few viewers tuning in for them and and that it's really important for viewers to support them. Uh, Christina, let me start with you. Your your thoughts about the cancellation of of This Fool.
1: So, first of all, I want to say that This Fool was a really great show. You know, the first season got on a a lot of best of lists. It was hilarious. I thought it was really funny whether you were um, Latino or not, whether you were LA-based or not. It had this sort of... hmm, red, you know, this uh esoteric dread coloring it all a of- with the really specificity of the Chicano experience in LA that I thought was really, really great. I was sad to see that it was canceled and glad to see that Gustavo was writing about it. Um, But I took a little bit of an issue with Gustavo's approach, and I love him and love his work generally. His thesis in the article is that Latinos in particular were sort of getting what we deserve, perhaps, because we don't show up for our own shows. And he cites a UCLA study, interesting because I've read that UCLA study and also spoken several times with one of its principal authors, Anna Cristina Ramon, out of UCLA. And one of the things that she says that I think is really powerful and helps arm us is that Latino viewers, we actually do show up in greater numbers for our shows. So um, Gustavo notes that um, this pool wasn't one of the top Latino shows. Instead, Latinos watch the same things that everybody yeah. watches. We watch mm-hmm. Stranger Things and all of those popular shows. Um, but the numbers also show that we do over-index for our own content. So I don't think the fault here lies in the Latino viewers not showing up. I think it is in networks for not marketing our stuff as for everybody. This fool was a show that anybody could watch and enjoy and find funny. And I felt like they did a good job on the first season, but did not do a good job on the second season, Ah, which came out during the strikes. Um, So I felt a little bit frustrated with that. Um, And I would encourage, you know, other folks to watch it. I think it's partly marketing dollars. And it's also how our shows are positioned. They're not just for us. They're universal Mm -hmm. stories in the same way that we all should be watching shows by Black creators and Asian creators and Indigenous creators. Everybody should be watching Latino shows, too. So I would encourage the broader audience to tune in and studios to note that that is how our shows should be presented to viewers yeah. of all races and nationalities.
0: Well, and Christina, when this fool debuted, it got a lot of marketing muscle during sports events, because I watch a fair amount of sports TV, and I saw this fool all over the place. It made me want to tune in, um, also because uh, it looked funny from the from the promos, and, and it was set in Los Angeles. You know, and, and like you, I think the world of Gustavo is a friend of our program, and I've known him for years. But, you know, it's something we say in radio is... not. No listener picks the wrong station. In other words, you know, it's people pick what they like. We can't say, well, they're listening to another. How dare they do that? No, people listen to what they want to listen to. The listener is never wrong. And I would argue the viewer is never wrong. They're going to watch what they're interested in and more power to them. But it is it is sad to see a series like this set in our community that had, as you said, a terrific first season Fall by the Wayside. Uh, ingo Kang, let me bring you into the conversation. Your thoughts on this Fool's Cancellation.
2: Oh, it's so sad. It was such a unique show. I think not only because it was absolutely one of the funniest shows on TV, but I think it does something a little bit different compared to other Latino shows or a lot of these shows that I think, you know, if we think about like the Cosby show, if we think about, Uh, Fresh off the boat. These are family comedies. And in a lot of ways, that is where TV pioneering works. Uh, This is how pop culture sort of gets trojan horsed a bit into uh, the larger consciousness by having these like really family friendly representations. And of course, that's great and that's important. But what I really loved about this spool is that it was, you know, a culture comedy, but it was also an existential dread comedy, which. Uh, I I don't know. Like, how can you get more universal than existential (laughs) dread in the 2020s? So, you know, that really made me sad. The other part that made me sad is this is a show that I told so many of my friends to watch and pretty much all of them told me I'll get to it when I get to it. And I think there's this idea that, you know, with streaming, because you can theoretically watch it any, at any time, it doesn't matter when you watch it. But now we're realizing it actually does matter because it really has an impact on whether something gets renewed or not.
0: A very good point. Well, we have a number of network TV series that have returned after uh, the dark period because uh, of the uh, double strikes that were going on. So, Ghosts, uh, which uh, ended up being. A hit for CBS is back in its third season. These seasons truncated because of the strikes. Bob Hart's Abishola has begun airing its fifth and final season. Uh, both of those shows, Ghosts and Bob Hart's Abishola, are on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus next day. And Abbott Elementary, the much acclaimed ABC and Hulu series, uh, has begun its third season. So uh, I'll just uh, say I've had a chance to see the first couple episodes episodes of season three of Ghosts, it looks like it's very much in keeping with what we've come to expect from the first two seasons uh, of that series. Again, that's something. And I'd just be interested, uh, Ingo, your, your thoughts on, you know, the Ghosts has kind of broken out, which is very tough to do on network television now, because, you know, particularly with with comedies, but even scripted series generally, you know, they're just getting the tune in is tough for the network's.
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that you said that Ghost sort of picked up where it left off. That was, that's a show I wish I liked, but I know it has its fan base. I'm not of the fan base, but I sort of wanted to talk about Abbott Elementary because they actually wrote a break into the show. They sort of had like a storyline, as you know, since you watched, yeah, um, where there was a five-month break in the shooting within the show because Abbott Elementary is a mockumentary about an elementary school. And they sort of had this, like, very quick storyline about how the filmmakers who are making that mock- that documentary within the show, they had their uh, cameras stolen. Yes. And then it took them five months to for three people with art degrees to save up for one camera, which, you know, that is an allusion to the financial vicissitudes of making art. And if that is not some sort of, you know, sideways reference to the strike, I don't know what it could be. Um, I had to say one thing I really love about Abbott is that when it came back it did not bother to pick up where it left off I think a lot of people were really invested in the well they won't they and they do sort of pick up with that but they yeah. do have also like a really big shakeup where they take the main character out of the classroom and put her in sort of like a more bureaucratic setting and you know I think with network comedies more than any other genre. It is really about that push and pull between the comfort of stasis and the necessary novelty of change. And I really love that Abbott Elementary thought, you know, as much as we are a comfort show, we are going to like push the audience just a little bit because we need to sort of like move on and be more ambitious with our show. Well and and
0: I Oh, I'm sorry. And I love that
2: they built the strike sort of into the show as well. And there is this acknowledgement that, you know, things have changed.
0: Well, and, and I love uh, that Quinta Brunson's character of, of Janine um, is, is, has made a, a shift. And we see now the, the interior of how the district itself works and the education-related humor. Abbott does so well of sending up the bureaucracy of public education. So this gives us a whole other opportunity for just bizarre and nonsensical things to happen at the district level and, uh, of course, for Cheryl Lee Ralph. Barbara, to respond with her, you know, years of seeing it all, you know, and, and, and low expectations uh, of, of what the district can provide. Janelle James' Ava character uh, goes through a transition that's very, very funny. And, you know, she, of course, one of the great talents of, of TV comedy. So, um, Inko, I'm with you. I thought they kicked off the season in beautiful form.
2: Yeah. And it sort of gets to this larger question of, you know, now Janine is, since she's working for the district, she is in a position to effect change. But if you are making change from afar, removed from sort of like the ground level, how much change can you really make? And how attuned are you to the changes that are necessary? I mean, again, this is another like universal issue, right? And I love that they sort of like put this in here, because I think the sort of risk with always giving up on the possible help that you could get but never do get from the district is a form of nihilism, right? Like, oh, well, nothing's ever going to change. So like, why expect anything to improve. And I think they really did like a nice shakeup with that. And they are clearly resisting the urge to fall into that nihilism. It's just, I don't know how more to praise a
0: show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's beautifully written, so well acted and just, so funny. I, just I, I, I laugh at it. More than any other series, it's just a laugh out loud. Abbott Elementary Season 3, uh, the first couple of episodes uh, premiered back on February 7th, and four of them are out now on Hulu. Will Trent, in its second season, also streaming on Hulu and broadcast on the ABC Network, starring Ramon Rodriguez and Erica Christensen. Uh, Liz Heldens and Daniel T. Thompson are the creators of Will Trent. Christina, what do you think of this second season? Oh,
1: I think um, you were speaking about comfort TV and it may seem strange to call a procedural a show where at least one person dies a week, at least minimum comfort, but I really find this show so, so comforting. It has all of those elements of the classic procedural, the TV um, tidiness, where you can solve a mystery in 44 minutes or less. um, And the world, the order of the world is restored. But it also has these really um, dynamic, interesting characters. They're really smart with how they play with culture, with the main characters, Latinidad, which is a new element from the books that it was based off of. Um, And they build this show that is funny and smart. The first season had some interesting sort of critiques of cop culture. We didn't see that in the season premiere there's only one episode out so far but hopefully that will be to come but i really feel like there's a reason why those tv formulas have existed for so long and will trend and it's sort of breakout success in its first season I'm talking about another show on a network that helped break out uh, rodriguez even got nominated for some awards um which also you know the procedural genre generally doesn't get that type of attention. I just felt like this show is one that I just really enjoy watching that feels tidy and comforting. um, And also just charming. They're just a charming group of folks and a cast that is makes the viewing experience just really lovely.
0: We're talking about the season two, a premiere of Will Trent on ABC with next day streaming on Hulu. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, uh, first episode out, second releases next Tuesday, uh, 8 p.m. on ABC, Hulu streaming the next day. Coming up, we'll hear from our TV critics about Jenny Slate's second stand up special on Amazon Prime Video, One Day, which is a British romance series on Netflix and The Traders' second season debuting on Peacock. This is TV Talk from LA's 89.3. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, and you're listening to AirTalk's TV Talk, a weekly review of the newest cable TV broadcast television and streaming series. Let's get back to reviews. We're talking TV right now with critics Ingu Kang of The New Yorker and Christina Escobar of latinamedia.co. Next is the second stand-up special of comedian Jenny Slate, subtitled Seasoned Professional. It's streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Ingu's had a chance to see it. What did you think?
2: I love this um i am not the world's biggest jenny slate fan i don't have anything against her i think you know she just has like a set of projects that i don't particularly pay attention to and i decided to sort of watch this on a whim and it is just such a great distillation of her particular charm and her particular sense of humor and you know this is maybe like a bit of a conspiracy theory on my part but i do think that like The secret to why she is so successful in the business is because she has this, like, very strange ability to sound simultaneously with her voice like an old lady and also a child.
0: (laughs) That is a talent.
2: And she knows exactly how to modulate um, basically, you know, across 70 years or so with her voice to make this um, as just like a charm bomb as much as possible. A lot of it is about, you know, how she spent the pandemic, which is she got married and had a kid and moved across the country in a three-day panic that involves some overalls and really seedy stuff on those overalls because they do not sound like they stopped at any hotel rooms or were very, very um reluctant to use them. But <laughs> in any case, uh yeah, I think, you know, a lot of comedians really go for that balance between The earnest and ironic, and this just sort of nailed it. And it felt like catching up with an old friend where they are telling you all the crazy things that happened to them in the last three years. And of course, because this is Jenny Slade and she is in a lot of ways sort of like known for her body humor, it really has a lot to do with sort of like a dark side of love. She talks about how much she doesn't appreciate her mom. She talks about how she wants to stalk her therapist. And then she goes on this like really long tangent about what she would do if she did end up stalking her therapist and her daughter. And you know how birth, giving birth maybe reminded her of like a bathroom accident she had on a middle school field trip. It goes really, in a lot of different directions but it also feels really cohesive and it just has it's just like the perfect amount of vibes that you would want for i think someone who is like jenny slate who has like a really great mix of like Neuroses, but also a sort of like consistent through line.
0: We're talking about the second stand up comedy special from Jenny Slate, Seasoned Professional. It's streaming on Amazon Prime Video and premiering later today. Uh, Also, just a a piece of trivia, Jenny Slate, for those who were fans of last year's Oscar-nominated animated feature, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. She was the voice uh, of Marcel in that film. Uh, The Netflix uh, streaming British romantic series, One Day, stars Leo Woodall and Ambika Mode. Christina, what do you think of One Day? You
1: know, it's interesting. We have a lot of romances about... Um, a pairing of unequal, you know, from Cinderella to, I don't know, Grey's Anatomy (laughs) to Love Actually. We have a lot of those stories. And what I really appreciated about One Day is it is a romance between equals. They're not always perfectly equal. And in many ways, they're set up in that unequal fashion. But the show... Um, does a really good job of investigating those ways and sort of seeing the ways that when they are unequal, it actually works against their romance instead of for them, um, and positioning them on even footing and recognizing the sort of different strengths and weaknesses they have. So, our male character is that golden boy, rich white kid um, who everybody loves and charms and is charmed by. And so, in many ways, you would think that he has the power over our. Um, You know, woman of color, kind of more nerdy, but she's, you know, the one who gets good grades in college and, you know, at university, that is the way they actually rank you. And so she what she really has that he doesn't is a sense of herself. All the way through. She doesn't always have the courage to go after what she wants, but she always knows, versus he meanders much more. And as we follow them over the course of one day, it's that one day, July 15th, uh, over a series of years, we see their relationship start, become friends, you know, they both are obviously attracted to each other. It's a romance, so there is sort of a will they, won't they And there's a lot of really beautiful understanding of what it is to Mm. grow up, of friendships, of falling in love, of the danger of falling in love with your best friend. And it really works really, really well. And I really appreciated most of the series, although... um, I, I I loved the vast majority of it, but I did not love the ending. So oh. viewer beware. It does okay. take a tragic turn. So I don't oh. know. Sometimes when I catch the old West Side Story on TV, I turn it off before it goes too far <laughs> south. So.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. You might want to consider that for this one as well.
0: All 14 episodes of One Day are available on Netflix. Uh, and we have the second season of the reality show The Traitors, which is streaming on Peacock. Ingu, can you give us just a, a, a quick synopsis and your thoughts on the traitors?
2: Yeah, this is an unusually atmospheric TV, sh- an unusually atmospheric reality show. It is hosted by Alan Cumming, and he does his very French, sorry, <laughs> his very Scottish accent in his very Scottish castle, where he has, quote unquote, invited a host of people to come. And some of them are the faithful, and a very select few are the traitors who are going uh. to. metaphorically kill one of the faithfuls uh, each night and the survivors have to figure out who the traitors are who are killing them and the great thing about season two is that it is all former reality stars and there is quickly this division between the bravo liberties and the stars who have come through the uh reality competition pipeline you know like on shows like big brother or survivor and one of the things that i love the most about the second season is you are actually surprised by how much the real housewives are outplaying the contestants of survivor and big brother (laughs) and the challenge because it is a human reading competition and you know a lot of these. Clues are based not only on who gets murdered after what incident, but eye twitches. And is she showing enough surprise at the breakfast the next day?
0: All right. The Traitors Season 2 is streaming on Peacock. Uh, Nine of the episodes are available. There'll be a total of 12 of them by season's end. My thanks so much to our critics for joining us to talk television. Ingu Kang of The New Yorker and Christina Escobar of latinamedia.co. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Air Talks TV Talk from LAist 89.3. If you like what you heard, please subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.
1: The L.A.S. Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism.